Miracy. I feel a kind of connection with the client. I feel present. I feel calm and relaxed. I can be excited, but I have that sort of calmness at the same time. Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. My name is Melinda Cohen, and I run a business called The Coaches Console. The Coaches Console has supported more than 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating their own profitable coaching business. So listen up, because today we're going to talk about an essential skill that all coaches have. They've got to do it, and they have to do it well. We're going to talk about deep and active listening. To talk about this today, I have a coaching colleague, Ellie Ballantyne. But first, I'm going to read an email from a coach that reflects today's topic and will serve as a backdrop for the conversation with Ellie. Unless you tell me otherwise, any email that you send me that we read on the air will be anonymous. We want to encourage you to be open about what's troubling you without worrying about what your clients might think. Here's what Anonymous had to say. Hi, Melinda. My client recently accused me of not listening to her, and I'm afraid to admit that she's correct. I obviously upset her, but should I admit to my client that my attention wandered or continue to downplay the situation? I'm a newly certified coach and I haven't worked for very long, but I always thought I was listening actively. Now I'm not so sure. Are there good techniques to improve my ability to listen? How do I prevent this from happening again? Dear Anonymous, I hear you. Listening is a skill coaches have to work on to get better. It's like a muscle that needs training. And as coaches, our job is to listen to our clients. We learn this skill, hone and develop this muscle and practice it with our clients so that we can do a great job of supporting them. So active listening is very different from, you know, a happy hour with a bunch of friends or a dinner party. To actively listen means we hold space for our clients. I don't think we can be a good coach without it. And if, like the listener who wrote in, their attention is wandering, what that tells me is that they're not present with their clients. They might hear them, but they're not listening to them. So how can we hone the ability to listen, to hear, to hold space? So for me, it's like meditation, because as I practice meditation in my own life, that's teaching me how to be and stay present. So with me today, I have Ellie Ballantyne, who will join me for a deep conversation about active listening. She is the founder of her own coaching company, Ellie Ballantyne, the Mindset Mentor. And she has a point of view that I love. She says, I am a human being, not a human doing. Welcome, Ellie. Hey, Melinda. It's so good to have you here. And I am so grateful that you're here with us today. Me too. I love it. Now, Ellie, could you please tell us a little bit about your background? Just give our listeners a feel for who you are. Yeah, sure. In my business, I'm coaching professionals and entrepreneurs to develop a core mental operating system so they can create success in their lives, whatever that means to them. So I've been in this field for about 25 years. I have a background in psychology and business. As you mentioned, you have a psychology background. How does that help you listen to your clients, if it does? Well, I think first and foremost, in psychology training, one 
tool we're given is mirror and reflect. And I think that mirror and reflect tool or question, and I'll I'll describe it for the listeners, is something that works so well in coaching. And simply that mirror and reflect is to just, if you hear your client, it's to mirror back what you've heard. So it might sound something like, so what I hear you saying is, and then you reflect back what you've heard. And the key to that is that number one, it puts you on the same page as the other person. You're developing no like, and trust at the same time. And you're getting into your own vocabulary, their language, which I think is very powerful. That is, I, I was, uh, you know, often on this uh, podcast, I will be taking notes myself because while I know a lot about this topic, I always learn new things. And I want to circle back to Anonymous's concern about not listening to her client. And I actually find that there's different ways of listening. There's listening to fix and give a solution. There's listening to acknowledge. There's listening to reflect, or just like you said, mirror back to the other person, right? There's listening to just understand empathy and compassion. And and so one of the ways to help train to listen is to ask yourself, what are you listening for? and be intentional about it, but it takes practice, right? That's right. And so Ellie, how do you know that you are listening to your client? Like what indicators do you have that you're engaging in deep and active listening? I think that's a great question. Something that you said just earlier was about being present. So that's when I know I'm listening is when I feel like I'm very present. Often I go in with the mindset of the most important person in front of me is my client. So when I know I set myself up for that, but when I know when I'm really listening is when I feel a kind of calmness within my body and my mind. And there's a kind of listening for the words in the language and listening to the body cues, whether it's breathing or movement, listening for the language. And I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. And I don't want that to sound weird, but I do understand we are able to listen on a variety of different levels. So that's when I really know. I feel a kind of connection with the client. I feel present. I feel calm and relaxed. I can be excited, but I have that sort of calmness at the same time. Yeah, it's interesting that you say, you know, your mind is relaxed, like you're you're aware of that. You're it's calmer and your mind is relaxed. For me, when I show up to my coaching clients, the mindset that I'm bringing to the conversation is really focusing on being present and that my job is to hold space for them. I love that you made the comment, you know, they're the most important person in front of me. It really brings my attention to right now. And when I can have that mindset that says my job is to hold space for them, it helps to keep that focus. And as I'm taking in what they're saying to me, I determine what other skill sets I'll use, whether I'm like you were mentioning them earlier, the reflecting, the reframing, asking additional questions. So it's not just assuming that I understand, you know, what am I hearing? It's that that accurate and helping the client feel heard. Right. That's a big part of it, because whether I hear them correctly, you know, the client just wants to be seen and heard more times than not. That's right. There's a kind of energetic field in listening. And what I mean by that is 
even though you are not talking, there's an act of listening that actually pulls the person towards you. And I mean that in terms of setting the container for trust and safety and understanding. Does that make sense? It sure does. There are a lot of different layers of listening. And uh, I, I often will tell people that when one sense is missing or is absent, like if we can't meet in person and we can't read body language, our other senses will kick into a higher gear and listen in, in new and different ways because we, we can't rely on some of the same senses. So whether you're by phone or so many people these days are by Zoom, you're tapping into new and different ways of engaging with them. Exactly. And, you know, I want to ask, this might be kind of touching into that. What would you say is the most complex or most challenging part of listening, either from your own experience or from what you're hearing from coaching clients? I would say it's when we feel that we have an answer and we can have this sort of exuberance, like, oh, I got the solution. I know where to go, you know, kind of thing. And uh, I think it's what's difficult is to bring ourselves to the place of exploring and, and just pace it because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. Now, of course, sometimes we're directive and sometimes we're not, you know, and there's a, there's a nice balance depending on the, you know, the contract that you've made with your client. But I just find sometimes that's hard to navigate and, when our excitement or exuberance, when we start focusing on the outcome, I find my listening skills can tend to be disrupted. Mm, yeah. Like sometimes when I use my coaching skills, if I'm reframing something that I heard and I'm mirroring it back to them, they can feel I'm engaged with them or they might correct me because I totally misunderstood what they were saying, but I wouldn't be accused of not listening to them. Right. 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 And there are a lot of misconceptions about listening. For example, it's hard to listen. How would you help Anonymous to become a better listener? Like, do you have a, a specific process that you teach or yeah. uh, that you can become aware and start learning and practicing active listening? Sure. So the first is the mindset around when I'm engaging with my client, they are the most important person. So I just make that commitment. And I literally will take, you know, the 15 seconds before getting on that, that call, just saying, I'll say it's your name. I'm ready for Melinda. You know, it, it's like bringing myself present, whatever I have to do to let go of the conversations before and say, Melinda's the most important person to me right now. How am I a best serve? And I just say that to myself before click, you know, we're online. The next thing is do what works for you to become present. And again, everybody's different. Some people, it's just about organizing their agendas and, you know, having a good schedule and that's all they need to do. Some of us, I think, need a little bit more, especially if, if we're sensitive and we read a lot of emotions, then we need to do our work to bring our minds calm, our bodies calm. So we can, you know, our sensitivities are in a place where we're well boundaried, if that makes sense. and. The other is, uh, I do some mindfulness practices, which is doing something like a centering exercise, bringing a living mindfulness practice. And I'll, I'll try to define that, which is 
the, the listener could, for example, say in her next session, I'm going to focus on the language that my client uses and reflect that back. Or I'm going to be mindful of mirroring and reflecting as a tool this time. And then just assess at the end, what did I get out of that? Was I able to listen more? I think as coaches, we have to test it a little bit to find out what allows us to have more presence, to listen carefully and develop connection with our clients. There, just one more was that sometimes we get triggered. And I think that that's very important. If we're triggered in a session, we as coaches, we have to admit it to ourselves because otherwise we're not listening. Because once we're triggered, we're not. Something else is taking over. So what I try to do is that if I do find um, I'm getting triggered, I write it down on a piece of paper beside myself. And then I say, then, you know, I'll, I'll attend to it at another time. And I bring myself with mindfulness just back to a mirror and reflecting. So what I hear you saying is this is how you're feeling. This is where you're at. And that just helps me manage myself in the session as well. Mm, That's beautiful. The moment you become self-focused, it's easy to get distracted. And now you're not listening because you're not present. And it's important when you show up to a coaching conversation to make sure you and your client are focused. And one of the things uh, that I just want to chime in with here is I will often use my breath as a way right before you go back. Like you, you said, you write it down on a piece of paper and said, I'll attend to that later. I love that. And then I will also use just a, a conscious breath in to help bring me back to this moment and to then focus on my clients so that I can start practicing my other skills and applying those. Ellie, I have to ask you, have you ever caught yourself not really being present? And how do you correct it if that happens? Yeah, I, I hate to, I don't, I don't know if I should say, I hate to say it, but I, I haven't. So I'm so enthused and engaged when I'm with clients. And I, over the years, I'd have to say that, like, maybe, maybe I could back up. I remember in the beginning that sometimes I was distractible because I didn't have the confidence in myself. So that, that really was the stuff that took me offline, I would say. And it only came from practice. So really being fresh and out there uh, as a new coach, I think we have to give ourselves time to really practice what we've learned and integrate it. And then it becomes kind of like second nature. Like we know all habits right? Once we're doing, repeating them over and over again, we don't have to think about them so much. But what I do find is that if I'm ever unsure about where I'm going with a client or we're just not connecting, do you know that listening is the skill I go back to all the time to get me back on track? It really is your superpower. Yeah, that's beautiful. Now, two of my values are honesty and transparency. And the more that I can live from my values with my clients, the better the relationship and results that they'll get, the better I can serve them and the more referrals I'll get from them and the better experience and more fun working with my clients, right? So in an answer to Anonymous's question, coming from the place of my values, when Anonymous asked, should I admit that my attention wandered or downplay it? First, It's never my place to go into my story with my clients. That's why I have a coach. 
I take my stuff or like Ellie, like you said earlier, I write it down on paper and I will attend to it later. Exactly. But do I admit that my attention wondered? Yes. If it's, if it has, if something has happened that has been very distracting, but I don't tell them why it wondered because that would, right, that'd be going into my story. And so I have a phrase that I will use with my clients. It's, uh, you know, it can take something that's kind of an awkward and heavy situation to a much lighter place. And if I find myself not listening, I will simply ask my client, can I have a do-over? And then they're like, wait, a what? What'd you say? And I was like, you know what? I'd really love a do-over. I need to be more present to what you're saying uh, because that's what you deserve. And I would just like a do-over. Can you state that again? I like that. I like that. And and can I add a little something? Not add, but I think it's an, another thing now that you put the question in front of me, I realize that I do is I will stop and say, whoa, I'm sorry. Can I just have a, a time out here? My mind started going towards something else. So I need to come back so that I'm on the on your page. I like that phrase. I want to be on your page. And that that usually gives me permission. I mean, we're human, right? We can distraction doesn't come just because, you know, we're thinking about a grocery list. It could actually be that we're like, wow, I'm hearing multiple things from this person. I got to call a timeout. I love that. It's like, let's just say what's really happening. Let's bring that to the conversation. Because then they know that I'm acknowledging them. I'm still engaged with them uh, and that there's, they still feel valued right. in that moment. Right. And, you know, there's also, uh, I don't know if some of the other coaches have ever experienced this, but sometimes if we're not listening, also could be a clue to, is that a pattern that happens for our clients when they're speaking? Do they notice in, at home or, you know, with friends that people don't listen to them? So, so trust also, if it's happening to you, you can use that as an inquiry. I wonder where else this happens for my client. That's beautiful. That's powerful coaching right there. Cool. So now anonymous, I want to summarize some of the things that we talked about today. First, listening is one of the cornerstone coaching skills, and it's one that you have to practice. Like Ellie said, practice it over and over again. Becoming a good listener will help your clients as well as you in your own business. So how do you become a good and active listener? One of the ways is to help train and to listen and to ask yourself, what are you listening for? Another tip to make sure that you're really hearing your clients is to use your coaching skills of reframing and reflecting, mirroring back and repeating your client's words and asking them if you heard them correctly. That will correct you if you misunderstood what they said. And also make sure you are client focused and not self-focused. That may be hard at the beginning of your career, but that's why you must have a coach yourself. And if you find your mind wandering and you lose focus, be honest and transparent and ask for a do-over or call a timeout. It works wonders. Ellie, any party words? I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, Matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. And so I hope part of today's conversation, if you're listening, will add to your toolkit and just take it with you and experiment. Go out there, listen, find how you listen the best and what are the practices that you need to uh, expand on that skill. Beautiful. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And I got to thank my partner today, Ellie Ballantyne. 
Ellie, thank you so much. I hope to do this again with you sometime. I'd love it. Thanks, Melinda. If you like today's podcast, you'll surely enjoy the inspirational episodes over at Making It. In each episode, a successful entrepreneur will share what making it means to them and what they've learned along the way. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Danny Eney is our executive producer, and I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. If you don't want to miss future episodes, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, please leave us a review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. And if you have a question for Just Between Coaches, put the show title in the subject line and send it to podcasts at miraseed.com. That's podcasts, plural, podcasts at miraseed.com. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. 
To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.